You're listening to a Cripple and Co. production. Disabled Movie Buffs, welcome back to episode 2 of my new little series within this show called Popcorn Power Chairs, where every other week I sit down with you and I review a movie all about disability with you and we shine a bright light on disability themed films together, that's what we're doing, so welcome back to Popcorn Power Chairs episode 2. What do you think of our new theme music for these episodes? Created by my friend, disabled singer-songwriter, Danny Saldo. Amazing, amazing. I love it. I think it's great. And I hope you enjoyed the new opener, too, for these episodes. But enough of my rambling. Turn your power chairs off. Get comfy cozy. Pull up your big bowl of popcorn. And let's watch a movie together, shall we? Let's do it. One of, I think... Anyone who was raised in the 80s and 90s, really anyone ever who has ever watched a movie has to have fallen in love with the 1982 classic sci-fi family film, E.T. The Extraterrestrial. And I I always loved E.T. It was one of my favorite movies of all time. But for me as a young disabled kid, I always felt an affinity towards E.T. because... He pretty much was my first, or one of my first, understandings of the other. Of being different. Of being completely a fish out of water. Being something that people didn't understand. And I always felt like, when I was younger, people never really understood me. And never really understood how to navigate me. So I wanted to to review E.T. this week. Because I wanted to see... Not necessarily to call E.T. a disability film, and I looked, and there was really no linkages between E.T. and disability. I did some Googling, and I didn't see anything like that. But I wanted to review E.T. because, A, I want to have a reason to sit down and watch E.T. again, and also because I wanted to see where's the connection between otherness and disability in this film, and can we make connections between E.T. and disability in this film? And I wanted to kind of go down that path with you today and make those connections with you and see the similarities between E.T. and being disabled. You know, people people often look at disabled people like we are aliens, like we do have three heads, like we are from another world, and they do act quite fearful of us in that way as if we're something otherworldly or dark or scary. And so I wanted to explore the idea of the alien, the alienation of disability through E.T. And so, I thought we would do that here. So let's um, listen to the trailer of one of the classic films of all time, and then we'll get right to the movie.
In this quiet neighborhood. On this tranquil street. A mystery is unfolding. And an adventure is beginning. Again. I'm keeping you. In March 2002, Steven Spielberg's masterpiece returns to theaters everywhere. What's he doing? E.T. Phone home. E.T. Phone home. Like you've never experienced it before. With enhanced visual effects. Never before seen footage. digitally remastered soundtrack <laughs> next spring take the journey what are you waiting for let's go and experience the excitement as et returns home to the big screen for a new generation to discover what the rest of us will never forget Steven Spielberg presents the 20th anniversary of E.T. The Extraterrestrial. I'll be right here. Wow, even 40 years later, that trailer, that trailer is like, so good. So just, just classic. And let's now dive into the movie and talk about why I think E.T. is actually a metaphor in some ways, and some ways not, for disability. So let's break it down. Here we go. So in the very first scene, you see the E.T. and his family land their ship and they're in the woods, the dark woods, and they're suddenly chased by humans. You see cars, you see people, you see them like looking for the aliens, um, and all, and then you see that the the humans are chasing them, and his family is scared, so they run back to their ship, and his family has to leave, and he ET is too slow to catch up with them, so they leave without him, and right in that very first sequence. One could see the disability right in that first sequence. You know, a, a disabled person not having enough energy or ability to keep up with somebody and being left behind. And that's what I thought of when I first saw that very first shot of, oh, he just couldn't keep up. Maybe he has, maybe he got shortness of breath. Maybe he has some invisible disability that makes him unable to be fa as fast as them. Maybe he has um, muscle pain, chronic pain, who knows. But my first thought was that, oh, this happens to disabled people a lot, not having enough energy to stay with their group or their friends or their family and being left behind. The humans that are looking for him are, are when you, whenever you see a human on screen in the first couple minutes of the movie and, and every time you see a human for like probably the first hour really, there's scary, like, creepy music, oboe music 
that's played underneath them. And this made me think of the ableism that disabled people experience and made me think what music we would play underneath them in a scene. If we had music to denote ableism, what would we what kind of music would we use? I think we'd probably use something like an oboe or a flute or some cello music to show ableism. What do you think? What music would you put underneath ableism? Before we go any further, I want to just preface this. I know that this movie's about an alien, and I'm not saying that disabled people are aliens. I'm just saying that this movie brings out some themes around disability that I want to explore. So just so we're clear, as we go further, I am not saying disabled folks are aliens. I'm saying we're often treated as though we are aliens because we have disabilities. That's why I'm making this connection. Just so we're clear. Then we meet Elliot and his family, and Elliot thinks he hears their dog outside, and he goes to investigate. Elliot throws a ball, and the ball is thrown back at him. So he's like, oh, what's this? And he tells the other kids and his friends that there's something out there, and they go, look. Everybody goes to see, and they see nothing, and they think it's like, oh, no, it's just coyotes. What are you talking about? There's nothing out there. You're fine. And then you see E.T.'s fingers creeping out across the shed. And I love this scene because when I was a little boy, my mom and I always made a joke that because I have really spastic hands, that I had E.T. fingers, as we called them in my family. So I really, every time, every time I saw E.T.'s finger on screen, I got really like memories of being a kid and being told that I had E.T. fingers and it made me feel really happy. It made me feel really connected to my childhood. Every time I saw E.T., we would say that. So I felt, I love seeing that on screen again. So Elliot goes outside to look for E.T. again because he hears something outside again. He tells himself that he is crazy and that and that got me thinking about ableism a little bit too. You know, because only the unwell or the sick kid would think they saw an alien or would think they saw something, right? So it just made me think of a little bit about ableism there as well. How many times have we dismissed somebody or told somebody they were crazy because they saw something that we didn't understand? And it just made me think of how many kids or people are, have said, like, oh, I felt something in my disabled body. And they're told, oh, you're crazy. There's nothing wrong with you. You're fine. And it just made me think of the way that we connect aliens and monsters to people who are unwell. Elliot finally sees E.T. and he starts to scream and so does E.T. and it's this really cute scene where they like together, they scream together um, and it's literally like that's the sound he makes. And I think this scene is very much connected to disability, at least it was for me when I watched because when people look at disabled people, when non-disabled people look at disabled people, they have been known to scream and then the disabled person screams back in fear. How many of you disabled folks had this happen to you at some point in your childhood where a disabled or non-disabled kid saw you and screamed in fear of you and then you screamed back in fear of them and then you were afraid? So, so this felt very connected to disability for me and I could certainly see a huge connection to when kids see a disabled person for the very first time. It can be scary and so they scream and so then I... 
I, as the disabled kid, would also scream back in fear. Write in and tell me how many of you this happened to as a child. So Elliot gets scared and, and runs away, but then later decides to go find E.T. again and to see to see who he is again, and he brings him Reese's Pieces to coax E.T. out. Okay, look, the truth is, if you want to find a disabled person, or just this disabled person, or if you want to just hang out with me, you should always bring the disabled person copious amounts of chocolate candy. If you really want us to be your friends, bring us big giant bags of Reese's pieces. That's really what we want. If you want if you want to befriend a disabled person, we really just want you to bring us candy. So, uh, what Elliot did here was right. Bring us candy. When Elliot is telling his family, his brother Mike and his sister Gertie that he saw ET his brother Mike says, well, maybe it was a deformed kid. And of course, this highlighted the ableism for me and how we talk about disabled bodies and how we talk about things we don't understand and people that we don't understand and experiences that we don't have. Now, granted, this film was about 40 years ago, but people still use this language today to talk about disabled people. They say deformity, they say deformed, they say crippled. This is how people talk about disabled bodies all the time. So the kids are fighting and the kids are t- he's like, oh no, no, it's not a deformed kid. It's an alien for sure. And my favorite line in the movie ever might have been penis breath. I remember when I was like 10 and I watched this movie and the, the kids called each other penis breath. I laughed so hard. And watching the mom, if you watch the scene right around the scene, the mom laughs. When one of the kids says penis breath and she laughs like hysterically and then she realizes that she shouldn't be laughing. And now as somebody who's pushing 40, I realize how hilarious the scene was. Watching this whole movie back as an adult was really fun because you noticed so many things as a kid that you didn't, that you didn't recognize or notice before. Um, and now I totally get why, like, as an adult, this movie is really funny. At one point, Elliot says that if somebody catches him, they'll do experiments on him or they'll do a lobotomy. And for me, this really rung true of disability. Disabled people have a long and dark and sordid history of being used for experiments and medical procedures against their will. It's just what people did to us, and it's we have a really dark, scary history around that. So when I heard that line, I thought, well, yeah, this totally happens to disabled people all the time. Look how many disabled people were sterilized against their will. Look how many disabled people actually had lobotomies against their will. So this is a very, very true disability-themed statement. So... E- Elliot goes outside to to see E.T. again, and E.T. comes towards Elliot, and watching E.T. E- walk, it kind of was like he did have a little bit of a disability, though, because he had a very affected gait. He has a very affected gait, and he kind of reminded me of somebody with mild CP who had trouble walking a bit, so whenever somebody makes fun of your walk or, or wants to say 
that you're drunk because you have my own CP, what you can actually say back is, actually, I walk like the iconic extraterrestrial in E.T., so go fuck yourself. That's what you can say back when people make fun of your walk. You can say, actually, I walk like the icon that is E.T., go away. Try that. Elliot and E.T. begin to mime each other and find hand signals to communicate with each other. And this scene immediately reminded me of going to a disabled sleepaway camp and learning to communicate with nonverbal campers. I did this a lot when I went to sleepaway camp from the age of like 6 to 16. I went there, 6 to 18 possibly, and I went to this camp where a bunch of disabled campers got together. Much like Camp Jeanette in Crip Camp. I went to a camp like that, and there were a lot of campers who were nonverbal and who needed assistance in speaking and who had different ways of communicating. And it made me think of the way we had to come up with our own type of sign language that wasn't ASL, that wasn't any kind of sign language that was official, but different ways to communicate so we could understand each other. And I definitely remember doing that as a kid at, at summer camp, talking to the kids with profound disabilities or complex disabilities, making up sign languages, looking at bliss boards and doing all that so we could we could talk to each other and have fun in the summer. And this scene with Elliot and E.T. trying to talk to each other reminded me of that. Elliot fakes sick from school to be home with E.T., but as I watched this scene, I kept thinking about all of the kids with undiagnosed anxiety or undiagnosed chronic illnesses who wanted to stay home from school but couldn't because their family didn't believe they were sick or didn't believe they had something going on or didn't believe they were really in need of help. And it just made me think of all the times people thought we were faking when we stayed home from school when we were actually really, really sick. And all the times, even now, as an adult, people think that we're faking when we say, like, I can't participate today, I can't do this. Because of my illness, people tend not to believe us. Or tend not to want to believe us. So then after the mom leaves, Elliot and E.T. are alone in their house. And Elliot says, me, human boy, Elliot. And does it really slow, like, me, human boy Elliot to like connect with E.T. and get him to understand him and it just reminded me of the ways that people talk to us even today and the slow voice that disabled people use or that non-disabled people use when they talk to us sometimes like hey how are you today what are you doing how is everything and they, they do this and it just reminded me of the way that we're spoken to Somehow, like, we won't understand you at all, and that, therefore, we are, like, lesser than. And just hearing Elliot talk to E.T. like that, obviously, we know E.T. is so much more than that. But the way he talked to him was like he wouldn't understand. And I just, it made me think of disability a little bit. Then their dog, Harvey, sees E.T. and barks at E.T. and is freaking out about E.T. And it made me think about... All the times that I go to the park, there's a park right by my house. And I go there every day in the summer when it's warm to have some outside time and walk around. And every single time I go, all of the dogs, most of them, will look at my wheelchair and start to bark and be like, what the fuck is that? And so it just reminded me of, like, 
all the times that the animals the animals would react to my being disabled too and it was just a cute little moment that I thought I would share because every single time that I go to the park there's at least one dog that sees my wheelchair and freaks the fuck out like do they think I'm going to run them over do they think my wheelchair is a vacuum cleaner what do they think is going on but it just reminded me when the dog barks at E.T. that's what I thought of And then Gertie, played by the amazing Drew Barrymore, CZT. The Drew Barrymore, like four years old, CZT, and she screams. And this made me think of all the times that little kids have been fascinated by my wheelchair and scared of my wheelchair. They may not scream, but they can cry and get very uneasy and very unsure. Their eyes go all big like hers did. And they just get like really like, oh, wow, what's this? Oh, goodness. So it just made me think again of all the times that kids... Um, kids see my mobility device and they get scared or they get excited. Then we see that E.T. can bring things back to life. It made me think about all the times that people say we're being inspiring and we're being miraculous. And I don't think E.T. thinks what he's doing is miraculous. Just like how me being in a wheelchair every day, I don't think what I'm doing is making me miraculous. I'm just doing it. I'm just living it. We're going to touch on this again later in the film in a few minutes because something else happens that I want to talk about um, wh around miracles that I think is important. So I'll touch on that in a minute. E.T. hiding with all the toys. It was really cute. When There's the iconic scene where he's with all of the toys hiding and he's hiding from the mom. And it made me think of all the, the ways that we mask or hide our disabilities to fit in or to, to not look like there's a problem or to make ourselves look okay. All of us do that. And I think the look on E.T.'s face around 43 minutes, three seconds if you're following along, is really, really, says, really says it all for us as disabled folks. How many times, have, if, you're, if you're watching along right now, how many times have we had that face on our face when we're trying to hide our disabilities? I think all of us have done that. At about 45 minutes in the film, E.T. trundles around the house. He kind of waddles, really, and does a waddle around the house to try to reach stuff. And when I watched this scene, and I watched it a couple times, to watch this scene, all I could think about was, I feel the same way when I'm in my, quote, accessible apartment trying to get around, because my apartment is supposed to be built for disabled folks like me, but I actually can't reach anything without any help. And when and watching E.T. like drop things and trundle around and try to reach stuff. I felt very, very connected to E.T. here. Um, I also liked watching E.T. get loaded, and there's a scene where he gets kind of drunk and drinks all the beer in the fridge, and then Ellie gets drunk. Watching E.T. get loaded is really, really funny as an adult now. Like, wow, I didn't realize as a kid he was getting drunk, but now I do, and I say, go for it, E.T., yeah! I thought that was really funny, and I liked that scene. I also like how, even though all the kids in the movie were initially scared of E.T., all of them, Gertie and the older brother Mike and, and Elliot, they all immediately were like, alright, he's one of us now, we support him. And I feel like kids, even though they're afraid of disabled people initially, and they're sometimes scared of us because it's a new thing for them, 
once you teach them that it's okay and that they're not going to be hurt or you're not going to hurt them, they almost immediately feel akin to you. And I, I kind of liked watching this with E.T., how all of the kids were like, all right, you're a part of our family now, we'll just deal with it. And there was something kind of nice about that because as adults, that doesn't really happen around disability. But as kids, kids have this like innate comfort around things they don't understand once you teach them it's okay and I found that when I'm watching E.T. a little bit and connecting to disability that was something cool that I noticed one of my favorite scenes in the movie was when Gertie dresses up E.T. like an old lady and he kind of walks around the house like an old lady and I loved this scene because I have vivid memories of my sister and I, my sister dressing me up like, I can't remember, she dressed me up like a lot of different things when we were younger, and we would play dress up, and she would dress me up, and she would lock my wheels in my wheelchair so I couldn't move, and she could dress me up, and I, just watching E.T. kind of get dressed up made me laugh, um, because I dress up all the time, and my mom and I play dress up now too, my mom has a, a room in our house where I grew up that is... She calls it her tickle room, which is where we go in there. And we, she has all these wigs and all these dresses. And so sometimes when I'm feeling low about disability stuff, I'll go in there and I'll dress up and I'll put on fancy hats and I'll put on wigs and I'll do all this stuff and we'll just play. And so this scene reminded me of being a kid and playing with my sister and with my mom. We play now dress up. So it's, it was a cute memory. And so then E.T. says, E.T. phone home, and so again, because of my spastic fingers, my mom and I would do stretches to stretch out my fingers, like holding my hand out, like E.T., and so we would always say, E.T. phone home, so I, as a disabled person, have fond memories of this scene, and again, looking at my fingers now, I have arthritis in my fingers, they're a bit long, they're a bit spindly, like E.T.'s, so I certainly do... I have ET fingers, and I don't know if any of you other folks with CP fingers have that, but it certainly I certainly feel akin to ET with my fingers for sure. So I loved the scene where he says ET phone home. When Elliot and his brother start looking around to help ET build the thing to call to call his home, Mike the brother says he looks sick, and Elliot says. He looks fine, and this made me think about all the ways. Again, we downplay our chronic illness and say, like, oh, no, I'm fine. Don't worry. I feel okay. Don't worry about me. To make sure that we can participate in life. And how many ways people will also say, oh, no, he looks ill. You look sick. You're like, no, no, I'm okay. I'm good. Don't worry about me so that you can be a part of stuff. And it just made me think about that. E.T. gets dressed up as a ghost for Halloween and made me think of all the times my family would dress me up for Halloween and take me out and my brothers would have to go door to door to get candy for me because I couldn't often go up to the steps to get candy for myself uh, and they would have to get it for me and, and they'd always have to be like, hi, my brother's down there, he's disabled, could you just let us uh, get some candy please? And this scene reminded me of that. Then there's a scene where you can tell the E.T. is getting sicker because 
the plants are dying around him. I wish sometimes chronically ill people or disabled people had signs to show them that even though they look fine on the outside and are masking it, we're hurting on the inside. I wish there was like, I wish when I was feeling tummy pains, a plant would die or like somebody would have some kind of marker outside to be like, oh, Andrew's really not feeling well, for real. Let's let's help him or let's make him feel better. I wish we had some kind of power like that. I really do. Then there's another iconic scene in this movie, and here it is. Then E.T. and Elliot go on Elliot's bike to the forest, and and E.T. makes the bike fly. And I was telling my friend Lorna, who I watch movies with, and my other friend Kristen, we watch movies together, and I was telling Lorna about it yesterday when I was about to record this. And I said, oh yeah, I'm reviewing E.T. And she said, well, you know that when E.T. gets on the bike, that's his mobility device, right? And I was like, oh, wow, well, you're totally right. I never thought that E.T.'s bike was his mobility device, but it totally is, and she's totally right. And I couldn't agree more. Also, they all, they're always making these chairs that go upstairs. I'm pretty sure I've talked about this before. Uh, they're always making these chairs that go upstairs. But I would love, I would love a hover chair. Can we please work on a hover chair or a chair that flew? I would, t- I want that so much. Forget a chair that goes upstairs. I want a chair that flies. Let's, can we figure it out, please? Let's figure it out. Can we give disabled people cool things like chairs that fly? That's what I want. That's what I really, really want. That's what I wanted since I was like eight years old. So if we could work on that, that'd be great. Thanks. As Elliot and E.T. try to make his beacon so that he can call his home, it made me consider all the ways that disabled people have had to adapt things to make them work for them, to make them accessible. Uh, in this scene, you see them getting like a a saw, a speaking spell, some wood, some cans, different like ropes and things to make this thing so that E.T. could call his home. And I just thought, how many times have we gone in our garage or we gone somewhere and got like plywood and got like things to make something accessible and this totally felt like a disability disability yourself hack a DIY hack that's totally what it felt like to me watching the scene they were putting something together making something out of nothing so that he could actually use it and do what he needs to do and it felt very reminiscent of disability for me here The mom leaves the house for a minute, and then you see all the men who are who are surveilling E.T. and surveilling the house. And this got me thinking about all the disability caseworkers that watch us and come into our homes and surveil us to make sure that we're doing exactly what they want us to so that we are disabled enough to receive support or whatever it is. And it just made me think about that and how how they're always around making sure we're doing exactly what they want us to so that we can we can be considered disabled enough for them. So then the older brother Mike goes to find E.T. because he's disappeared in the forest. He finds E.T. fallen in a ravine and he's like sick and he's in the ravine and he can't move or walk. And it got me thinking about all the times that we as disabled people have gotten ill out in public or out alone and just how scary this can be when you're by yourself and you're sick and you're not doing well and when you need support and it, this scene made me think of that and then Mike tries to help E.T. but he can see that the men are after them and the men are gonna 
come and find them. And so he tries to cover E.T. up to make sure they can't see him. And again, made me think of disability a lot. So the mom of the movie, whose name is Mary, Mary finally meets E.T. Because the kids show her him. And they're like, hey, you got to be cool. He's not going to scare you. Don't worry. They show her E.T. And she's, of course, scared. And she takes Elliot and Gertie out of the room. And is like, oh, my God, I'm scared of you. What are you? Oh, goodness. Oh, no. What do we do? And... Um, it reminded me of all the parents who have moved their kids away from me or who have like, when I'm walking down the street, sometimes parents will walk with kids and instead of like gently nudging them out of the way so I can pass, they'll like grab their child and run out of my way. So it just made me think of that. It made me think of adults don't always understand people with disabilities and kids are more apt to learn. And it just made me think of that when she took the kids out of the room and how many times parents have moved their kids away from me because I'm disabled and you know you obviously you want to think that the parents are moving the kids away because they don't want you to be they don't want their kid to be in the way of you but there's a small part of me that's like are you moving them away from me because you're afraid of my disability and the scene made me think of that then the family is met by big scary men in astronaut suits and this made me this whole scene this whole sequence they're met by astronaut suits and all these men in the house, like, guarding them and breathing heavy and doing, like, Darth Vader sounds. Um, and this made me think of all the ways in which disabled people have endured ableism at the hands of scientists and the medicalization of and the uncertainty of disabled bodies. And the house is surrounded and barricaded by people who don't really understand E.T. at all. And all I could think was, does this sound familiar to anybody with disabilities? Does this sound familiar to anybody who's been sick or in the hospital for a period of time? And it just made me think of, really drove home the medicalization of other bodies. And I don't even think when Spielberg was creating this, he was thinking about disability. But in this scene in particular, really as a disabled person that's been hospitalized a lot, I really... I felt this one so hard. You're in a you're in a place with people that have no idea who understand who don't understand anything about you and this scene really drove that home for me. Elliot is screaming at the scientists in the next scene and the doctors and he's asking them to leave E.T. alone and saying, Oh my god, you're killing him, leave him alone But of course they aren't listening to him at all. And yep, this happens to disabled people all the time. So this also, this scene also really brought home for me what it felt like to be disabled sometimes. It's like someone's trying to advocate for you and they're not listening to them or they don't listen to you or you're advocating for yourself and they don't listen to you. And this scene with all the doctors and and medical staff there trying to work on ET really made me feel that way. The doctor calls E.T. a miracle. He says, oh, E.T. is it's a miracle that he's here. It's a miracle that E.T. is here. He says this to Elliot. And this made me think of, and it struck me, this really stopped me for a minute. I said earlier that we would, we would bring up the scene. This scene made me think about all the times that I have been called special or a miracle or amazing for simply just being. And I, what I like about this was that E.T., was simply just being E.T. 
He wasn't trying to be miraculous. He wasn't trying to be amazing. He was just trying to be. And that's how I, that's how I feel about disability. I'm not trying to be special. I'm not trying to be miraculous. I'm not trying to do amazing things that go above and beyond all the things that people do. I'm just trying to be. And E.T. in his own way was just trying to be. E.T. stops breathing and he dies officially and Elliot is taken away by the doctors. And as they try to save his life, somehow, I never understood this as a kid, but somehow they're able to do human CPR on E.T. and try to save him, which never really made any sense to me. He's an alien. How would you, how would your human stuff make him okay? What? That makes, that part of the movie, as an adult now, that part makes no sense whatsoever, but okay, sure. Uh, they did human CPR on him to try to save him, but they couldn't, and he dies, technically. And so when he dies, technically, E.T. and Elliot spend some time alone together to say goodbye, and... This part really made me think of disabled people during the pandemic who and and disabled people who have died at the hands of science and that we didn't get to say goodbye to and that we didn't get to say, I'm sorry this happened to you and that we didn't get to say all the things we wanted to say because science killed disabled people. And it made me think about that, especially in 2023, as we are still in the midst of a global pandemic. I know we all want to think it's over, but it's not. And... This scene made me think of that. E.T. wakes up and starts talking to Elliot because Elliot says, E.T., I love you, and so his love wakes him up. And I wish, I wished in this scene when I watched it, I wished that love itself and pure love would bring back all the disabled people that we've lost. I really wish it would. And I really wish it was it was like that for disabled folks who have been killed and murdered and and lost their lives due to medical ableism. I wish that we could just say we love you and you could come back. And I, that's what this scene made me think of. As Mike and Elliot try to evade capture from the scientists to try to help save E.T. and help him get home, Mike, the brother, dresses as a scientist. And Elliot says to Mike, Where's your mask? Get it on, man. And I felt like in 2023, that was very appropriate. Extremely appropriate for the climate that we live in today. And they didn't even realize that 40 years ago how true, if you watch E.T. in 2023, how how real it is. How real that was. How real that line about a mask was. Wow. All the kids help race to help E.T., all their friends start to race to help E.T. and evade the police, ACAB. That's how I felt when I watched this scene because the cops are trying to stop the kids from helping somebody and fuck the cops because ACAB. Um, all the parts where the kids fly over in their bikes in California when, when E.T. helps them fly to get away from the police, it reminded me of the Universal Studios E.T. ride at Universal Studios Florida when I was a kid, there was this ride, and we would go there every every year we go on this ride, and it's like you walk for like 20 minutes in the forest with E.T., and then you take into the spot where you go on bikes, and because I was in a wheelchair, they had, they had an accessible bike 
for me. And it was so cool. It was the coolest thing. I mean, it would take them forever to strap my wheelchair down to do it properly. But I distinctly remember the E.T. ride being my absolute favorite because I got to fly in a on a track, obviously. But it was so cool and fun. And I I just loved it. And it I don't know if it's still there, but any listeners in Florida, if, if you're able to go to Universal and if you still do go, is that ride still there? Because I freaking love that ride. It was so fun. So then E.T.'s people come back to get him. E.T. thanks all of them and says, you know, be good. Be listen to like and E.T. and Elliot have this moment where they say to each other, like, stay and E.T.'s like, come with me. And Elliot's like, I can't, I gotta stay here. And it was really, really kind of sad. I watched it just now when I choked up a little bit and I watched it. I was like, wow, the memories. And it is kind of sad. And when you watch it from a disability lens, it reminded me of all the times that able-bodied people and disabled people have worked together to make something great happen. Like Elliot and E.T. worked together to make sure that E.T. could get home. And there's something kind of cool about that. And it just reminded me of how we can, our two communities non-disabled and able-bodied can work together to do stuff. So that was cool. I love this movie. I don't know if you think it's, you know, related to disability in the ways, but hopefully this little review, this little Popcorn and Power Chairs episode made you think about it that way. I loved it. And as always on this new series, we're going to rate the movies out of five Power Chairs. I have to give this classic five out of five Power Chairs. Maybe 4.5 because of some of the ableism in the beginning with the language. But I I, I love this movie and I, li- I hope you enjoyed me going down memory lane and, and reviewing this film. I would love to review other films around disability every other week. Um, so write in to andrewandandrewgerza.com. Let me know what films you want me to review for another Popcorn and Power Chairs episode. Uh, if you want to come on a Popcorn and Power Chairs episode and watch a movie with me, I'd love to have guests for this series. Come on, I'd love to have you. Um, if you could also, wherever you get your podcast, if you could please, please leave a review for us that really helps the algorithm pick up the show, I would really appreciate it. Thank you guys so much, and uh, thank you for coming on Popcorn and Power Chairs. Um, thanks so much, friends. And we'll see you in two weeks for another Popcorn and Power Chairs and next week for a regular Disability After Dark episode. Thanks, friends. Bye. Copyright notice. Disability After Dark was created, recorded, and produced by Cripple & Co. Productions and Andrew Gerza. Any and all use of materials, graphics, audio recordings, etc. cannot be used or distributed without express permission. If you would like to use an episode of the podcast or license an episode of the podcast on your website, 
please consider emailing Andrew Gerza and Crippling Co. Productions at disabilityafterdarkpod at gmail.com. Copyright 2023.